0: The Next Wave Podcast, hashtag no filter. What's going on, y'all? This is Adrian with the Next Wave Podcast, hashtag no filter. Filter for wit. <laughs> exactly. And we coming to y'all live today. we got a bunch of topics we're going to be getting into. But the first one is going to be coalition building. So I want to talk briefly about ask me Council 75 and what they've been doing with some of the work in Oregon. Council 75 launched their United We Heal campaign and organized behavior health professionals throughout Portland, both union and non-union, to form the Solidarity Alliance of Social Services. This alliance is focused on identifying the most pervasive issues faced by this workforce. Today, we have a great episode prepared for you where we have two special guests coming. The first of which is very special. Her name is Jillian Johnson. She works as a housing case manager at Transition Projects. And what's really impactful is that it's her job to empower people experiencing homelessness to transition off of the streets into housing. How you doing today, Jillian?
1: Hi, Adrienne. I'm doing well, thank you. Of course, of course. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I can't complain. So, Jillian, I recently uh, read a book by Malcolm Gladwell called The Tipping Points. Um, and basically, it just refers to, like, there's a point that uh, maybe you've had too much or you've had enough or a defining moment. And so I'm really interested in... What was it for you that got you involved in the union? Or describe that process for me, like what did that look like for you?
1: So for me, I, um, I actually started out as a steward um, before I really became super involved in my union. Um, a coworker of mine, uh, she was a steward and she was you know really wanting me to join her. And she's like, you're gonna love it, it's gonna be great. And I already knew I'd love it, but I just, didn't make the time yet. You know, I completed steward training, uh, did my first grievance and I guess word got out and people started seeking me out for different struggles that they were facing, um, at some of our various work sites. Okay. One of my coworkers was asking for housing resources. It kind of caught me off guard and I should have known better to be honest. Like I knew that Our entry level positions at transition projects do not pay enough. I used to work in one of those positions before I worked my way up into housing case management. So I should have known, Uh, but I just didn't know how bad it was, how serious it was until this colleague of mine came to me and told me that they um, were living out of their car.
0: Oh my gosh. That's tough, like I can only imagine how that is. You know, especially be one of your coworkers, having to battle through that and still administer help.
1: The worst part is, is that while they're working at transition projects, they cannot access any of our services. Not only are they living out of their car and then coming to work each day, but they are also on their own, unless they can find resources with a different agency, because it would be a conflict of interest for them to access anything from uh, transition projects. And i that broke my heart because I knew that I couldn't do anything in my position as a housing case manager to help them, despite that being our mission, despite that being my life's purpose as somebody who works in social services, I couldn't help without risking my own job. I let them know about an emergency fund that had recently been been developed um, mm-hmm. by our agency. But I also started to think like, I wonder how many others are in the similar situation. And the more I dug, the more I brought it up with different coworkers, the more I heard, well, yeah, of course, yeah, that happened to me. Or, oh yeah, I was you know, really close to losing my place. Or, oh yeah, I've, I've slept in shelters run by other agencies. And to hear that it would become so common that it was almost normal
0: Wow. for the
1: people in my agency nobody seemed outraged quite yet like it was just like oh yes this is just the way the world is this is how it's always been and this is how it will always be that was that was the straw that broke the camel's back I couldn't just stand by and allow us to continue on as if this is normal or okay or ethical because it's not right it's not
0: so, Julie, I'm very curious to know, uh, what was the union difference? Um, and that term may come up a lot, but what was the difference between before you got involved in your union and things that have happened uh, post your union involvement?
1: I f- genuinely feel that I am a lot happier as a person. Okay. Now that I have become very active in my union, and I've been very active for the last year. Nice. Um, Adrian, I really feel like I have found a community, like my community, a place where I belong, a place full of people that I can turn to when I have a problem, people that I will go to bat for whenever they need me, people who fight uh, for what they believe in and, and don't settle for the status quo and the status quo is staff becoming homeless while serving people experiencing homelessness. like people who really care and have really big hearts and just want to see this world be better. And I'm so thankful to discover that community through AFSME.
0: Absolutely. So since your union involvement, have you been able to maybe affect the change or make some type of impact? Because I know this is a issue I can tell just by looking at you that is very near and dear to your heart.
1: It is. And I started working on this with AFSME. About a year ago, okay. and we've made tremendous progress. Mostly, we've been focusing on just building that, that participation, that engagement, that union power that is necessary to create the change. So uh, when I started last year, we had a 33% membership um, at transition projects within our union. Okay. And now we have 85%.
0: So what were some of the things that kind of took you from 33 to 85? Like, what did that whole process look like?
1: It looked like having conversations. It looked like um, talking to my coworkers about what they were going through, Mm -hmm. um, what their goals were, where they hoped to be in a couple years, what position they wanted within the agency, and then lending my support in any and every way that I could. And You know, investing in people is the best way to um, form a team of people that can change the world. Right. So some of the other things we've accomplished, uh, we went from having four stewards for our entire agency to having 22 with eight more on the way. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We've created our own union leadership structure um, at Transition Projects and we've already elected our bargaining team, and we are currently electing our member action team, which will be in charge of just keeping everybody informed and engaged at all of our many different work sites. All
0: right, so y'all definitely are working, like y'all putting in the work.
1: Majorly, I have a huge team of people now that I can count on, and, and because of that work that we've all invested over this last year, we've made some real gains Um, even before we've been able to start negotiating our new contract.
0: Right. So your resume is stacked. I see you with uh, the shirt on that has VMO on it. Can you explain (laughs) to me what that is or what that's all about?
1: Uh, So VMO stands for volunteer member organizer. Okay. Well, I guess in my own words, I would I would describe a VMO as somebody who um, is a member of their union and has decided to take a leadership role to take personal responsibility for the involvement at their work site and to bring people into the fold and help them find ways to plug into the union so that we can accomplish amazing things together.
0: So we've been talking a lot about the importance of things like this. And so why do you feel like VMOs are important to the labor movement, especially in the context of uh, waivers and next waivers in the younger generation?
1: I think it's really important to have members leading the charge more than anything. Ask me staff are all, <laughs> they're all the most amazing people I've ever met and I adore each and every one of them. At the same time, I think that the real power comes from the members. It comes from each and every one of us at our own work sites, taking charge of our own lives, of our own futures and the way that we are treated. That's why volunteer member organizers are so important because We're the ones that really amp up that engagement and bring people in and connect them with tools and resources to take charge of their own lives, fight for safer work sites, better benefits, more equity, and obviously higher wages.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And that shows that uh, VMOs are just critical to the union movement overall. Like, who better knows about the working conditions of your coworkers than you, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: like your coworkers are going to resonate (laughs) with what you say, what you think, how you feel, because they're probably thinking, saying and feeling the exact same way.
1: And they also know that I have just as much to potentially lose if things go don't go as planned as they do. And so they take they trust um, a little bit more. It's easier for them to trust um, when I say that something needs to change. Um, Also. Volunteer member organizers are really important because we can be sent to other places, other agencies, other states, to help with really, really important pushes in the labor movement Right. to help other people.
0: You were just at the VMO conference, right? Oh, yes. Okay, so <laughs> talk to me a little bit about that. How was that experience?
1: Oh, well, it was incredible. Uh, it was a conference full of volunteer member organizers from all across America and Puerto Rico, and we all got in one location, and we were trained. AFSME staff uh, invested in us. We also had plenty of time to explore the the area, have fun together, um, but also to share really incredible ideas. I learned so much from people in Ohio, New York, and Massachusetts nice. who had experienced similar problems to what my coworkers and I are going through. And they helped me with a lot of creative ideas that I think are going to make a huge difference.
0: And that's one of the things that I like the most about union conferences, you know, it kind of bridges the gap between every different states, different agencies, different occupations, because in the grand scheme of things, we're all experiencing some of the same things. And so it kind of makes it so that we all can fight towards the same goal, you know?
1: Exactly. And that's another one of the things we did while at the conference. We We went out and knocked doors. We um, went out and we started talking to union members in Las Vegas who were potentially unaware that a new bill would hopefully be passed um, in Nevada that would allow them to have a contract. It's the legal contract that holds management accountable, that allows us to hold management accountable to... uh, the working conditions, the benefits, the wages that we've agreed upon as a team.
0: Was there an an emotional response that you had to uh, being at the VMO conference, going through the trainings, being empowered by other AFSCME members, and then also being able to put the things you learned into action?
1: Oh yeah, I think the strongest emotion that I experienced while at the conference, while interacting with these amazing people from all over America, the largest emotion that I experienced was hope. Nice. You know, like hope for a future, hope for solutions to a lot of the problems that we are experiencing at all of these different work sites all across America and in Puerto Rico. I could see that things were going to be okay one day, that these people are working just as hard as I am to make things better. And that kind of hope is so important, especially, I think, in this day and age.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Like, we got to keep hope alive. I know that may sound like a dated term, but it's true today as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Like, we have to keep hope alive, especially in the labor movement. Jillian, your story is just a very powerful one with, uh, like, a lot of emotional strings. Uh, What would you tell someone that maybe didn't have the same type of motivation? Um, Maybe just a new person who wants to get involved but doesn't really have like that extra push or motivation by seeing their coworkers suffer like that?
1: I think for my coworkers, we all have the the motivation. That's why we are in this line of work. It's because we truly 100% care. We are in it because of our hearts, not for the money as the right. phrase goes. Right, Um And, and what I tell them um, and what I've been telling them for the last year is that just because we're in it because with our hearts doesn't mean that we should be paid so little that we are also becoming homeless ourselves. There is a way to pay us a living wage so that we can provide way better services and actually address this crisis in my home city. It is time for us to start investing in sustainable solutions for homelessness and housing instability. And it does not start with paying social service workers poverty wages.
0: Amen, sister, I hear you. (laughs) I definitely want to thank you for stopping through today um, and coming and volunteering and just giving us some of your time to talk about some of the amazing work you've been doing over in Oregon.
1: I would just really like to thank all of you at Ask Me for all of the amazing work that you do. Um, And thank you, Adrian, for having me on this uh, first episode of the podcast. Of course. Um, I also want to thank my team here in Portland for all of the amazing things that we've been able to do together and I'm very confident that we'll be able to negotiate for living wages this year when we start negotiating our contract and um, we owe that uh, possibility to all the work we've been doing together for the last year. Um, And for everybody listening, um, remember that every single problem that we face, whether it's in the workplace or um, in our day-to-day lives, our personal lives and society across America, every single problem that we face is usually caused by people. And if it's caused by people, that means that people have the power to fix it. And there is nothing stopping you and your coworkers from doing something about a problem um, in the workplace when you uh, take advantage of that union membership and work with ask me to find solutions
0: yes yes well again thank you for stopping through please keep me updated on the contract negotiations you know we got you standing in solidarity with your sister so until next time thank you of course we're gonna dive into politics And I know we just coming from the midterm elections. You probably hear something political or see something political every day. But a lot of times, you know, we just don't understand how important it is and how it impacts our lives on a daily basis. So we want to dig in and we definitely going to explore that and answer a lot of questions that other young working millennials have. Our next guest is a young political director out of California, Brian Allison, who's also a fellow Next Waiver. What's going on, Brian?
2: Hey, Adrian. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great.
0: I can't complain. What about yourself?
2: I'm delighted to be with you all this uh, this morning. I just want to say, as a, as a young person myself, it's uh, exciting to see uh, our next WAVE program, uh, you know, working to introduce more uh, new concepts like this podcast. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Of course, of course, no problem. Let's dive right in and talk about what happened uh, last year in the midterm elections, because uh, I know that had a great effect on millennials nationwide.
2: For sure, Adrian. Um and I think with the turmoil and disappointment that was brought by the results of the 2016 elections, which we all remember so well, right, um, 2018 really was a game changing uh, cycle for a number of reasons. And I think that because of that, younger workers, millennials and next, our next waivers are naturally looking to continue the momentum here. Um, So, for example, in states like Wisconsin and Michigan, AFSCME workers helped to undo almost a decade of policies by anti-worker administrations that hurt working people, electing new diverse pro-union leaders to flip 393 state legislative seats. So that means not only eight new Democratic majorities and the chance to move really smart uh, worker-friendly policies in states like Colorado, Connecticut, Maine, and Minnesota – But also the opportunity to really blunt anti worker attacks on unions, people of color, and those least vulnerable citizens by breaking up conservative supermajorities in places like Michigan and North Carolina where there's not a whole lot of union density and in Pennsylvania.
0: It's uh I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make fun of you, but you say young people as if you're not a young person, like you (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah you know ironically adrian i'm I'm one of those young people uh in name and name and date only uh my birth date might say that I'm a millennial, but uh you know i, I have a bit of an old soul uh and i th- I think all of my friends and colleagues probably can attest to that every time I ask them for technological help so
0: <laughs> nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that that's right so last year two thousand and eighteen, we saw like a lot of people knocking doors. I think I saw Oprah was knocking doors in Atlanta for right. one of the candidates uh I think Beyonce had came out um, in support of uh, a candidate in Texas. Taylor Swift tweeted something, and I think a hundred and— I don't remember how many she got, but a lot of people registered to vote just off of, like, one tweet or Instagram post. And so I'm just wondering, like, do you think, like, pop culture had any impact on the last election? Or, like, what—just just in relation, because I know a lot more people that I work with and talk to were talking about the election, especially a midterm uh more than in past years. So I'm just wondering if that had any impact or did that show up on election day?
2: I think so Adrian. You talked about uh you know the the Stacey Abrams campaign campaign down in Georgia and, and Oprah's right. kind of engagement there. Um how other celebrities uh, had been engaged in fights that were important to them. Uh you know we we see Cardi B, you know, in and the, the, you know In the the past couple of months coming out and talking about how hurtful the shutdown has been to workers. I think more and more celebrities are kind of stepping out of their own bubble and seeing the value of, uh, you know, engaging in the political process themselves. And they're also seeing, I think, the real benefits, uh, you know, for having candidates that support working people elected. Uh, and what that means to all their listeners and followers and and etc and I think what that Mm -hmm. means for for the rest of us quite honestly uh, is that you know this idea of being politically active uh, it once wasn't you know the most sexy concept I think now folks realize that you know the appeal of it is so much broader you know it's no longer about like in 2004 we had an awesome campaign vote or die we encouraged a lot of folks to to get out and participate um and and i think while our celebrities were super engaged in 2018 we can't wait you know for them to 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 be the mouthpieces in 2020 i think Mm. organically we're gonna have to build power on the most local levels uh and you know while it's awesome to have those that, that amplification from those voices right. um, you know the voices that really matter most are those everyday working americans who are going to make a decision or not to get out and vote in election uh days this year and in 2020.
0: i agree i agree and so what exactly does that look like for some of our uh next waivers and uh other young workers
2: one of the ways that we were really able to do Uh, to build on this is is through uh, the creation of a new hybrid model. So, and basically all that means is that as we go out and we're talking to uh, and spending resources on engaging, you know, everyday voters in the electoral process, why not engage with our union members first? Why not ask them if they're not currently a member of the union to join the union uh, and then talk to them about the importance of participating in in politics. And we've seen uh, ends in, states across the country um when we've engaged in this model in places like iowa and nevada and new jersey we've seen big increases in uh the number of not only folks who want to become politically engaged but more importantly people who want to join our union and want to sign up to fight for their uh for their rights so in cities across the country we're going to have some pretty amazing election year uh, election fights coming up in 2019 Uh, where we're going to have key mayoral races in places like Philadelphia and Chicago, Columbus, Memphis, and awesome opportunities in Texas and San Antonio and Houston, a place, quite honestly, where we have never seen that type of political engagement from unions or union engagement or union density. And we're going to be looking to build on the work that we've done with the hybrid model and engaging our members at the same time we're asking them to participate in politics And I think that it could really, really, really be an awesome opportunity for younger activists who want to get in uh, and and think that politics might be daunting, uh, but don't necessarily have a problem with talking to workers in the workplace about, you know, their uh, wages, hours, working conditions and why they should sign up to be a part of a union. It might be a really organic place to start for a lot of our younger activists who are looking to get involved in politics for the first time.
0: I wholeheartedly agree, and I like the concept of the hybrid model. Uh, one, because I used to hear that, you know, you, from a lot of members, you only come and talk to me during an election year. You only come and talk to me when we got to vote for somebody about the political things. But now, you know, being able to engage politically year-round, uh, no matter what the season is, can only make us stronger.
2: It also signals that in order for us to be successful long-term, We've got to take a step back and figure out how we engage in community groups, too. Uh, You know, we can't just be silos. We have to engage uh, or siloed. We have to engage with those community partners uh, that are really fighting for the same quality of life and, uh, uh, you know, fights to end income inequality that we're engaged in. And treating them more as partners than transactional actors that we operate in with in an election year. I think that builds a lot of capital, it builds a lot of uh, relationships and also helps us, you know, kind of resonate with our members more because we're not just hitting them at the workplace um, and talking to them about the union, but we're also in their communities and we're talking about things like we've mentioned before, things like affordable health care, real tangible mm-hmm. benefits like ensuring that if you are you know, having a child, that you have the ability to take some time off and be with that child and make sure that they get a, a great start. Ensuring that we ha- all have access uh, to healthcare, that we all have access uh, to the public services that we need. And those real tr- major changes um, don't take place unless we are uh, fully engaged in our communities. And I think the best way to do that um, is by having one-on-one conversations, not only with our workers in the workplace, um, but using that model also to expand in our communities and just have those serious one-on-one conversations and build, uh, you know, a stronger community and a, a stronger grassroots coalition to fight for all the policies that we we want to achieve.
0: And I know we're heavy on um, the political scene right now, but, you know, something that I've always talked about is that the union is more than just... Uh, it exists outside your work hours, you know? It exists outside the, not your nine to five, or your eight to four, 8.30, whatever time you go to work. You know, the union has always been bigger than that.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I think, you know, again, we're starting to see ideas that before were only talked about at the collective bargaining table. Ideas that, you know, people only thought about, you know, when they were having conversations at the workplace, being really pol- real policy decisions that lawmakers are considering now. And I think that that's huge. And I think that that signals that people recognize at least uh, inherently how important the union is, how important fighting for your, your you know, your brothers and sisters and your colleagues in the spaces. Um, and I, th- I think that the, the, the real way we build that change is together. Uh, and I think our political, you know, seasons are important but i think that you build you build strong campaigns by building strong communities and i think uh you know the way that asks me is is thinking about our political engagement moving forward and the way we're encouraging our activists moving forward to think about political engagement moving forward mm-hmm.
0: all right so brian i got to be real with you i hear you about uh like how important these the last election was and this upcoming election is and outside of just voting i mean i think I think it's a little difficult. So I've been on the doors before, knocking for a political candidate, and it is yeah. not something that I think is the most glorious thing. Um, yeah. I and the hours are also kind of long. long. Yeah, like it, <laughs> It's 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 work, man. It's it's yeah. hard work. And so, just just help me so I can understand or at least connect the dots for myself. And maybe some next waivers out there have some of the same questions. But uh, like, what should I take in? Like, what motivation should I take? Into that process, going in, just knocking doors because it is, like I said, man, it ain't fun, it ain't glamorous.
2: Yeah, no, that's right. Right. And I think, one, I think it's always helpful for me to just kind of think about what's at stake. For example, this past election, I was uh, in Nevada, um, you know, taking a break from our workout in California to help more than 20,000 state workers uh, get access to collective bargaining, a voice on the job for the first time. Um, okay. And we did that, you know, by partnering with organic community groups and working to turn folks out to elect a new Democratic governor for the first time uh, in that state, in Nevada, uh, since 1999. And, you know, although the days were long in terms of going out and knocking on doors and talking to voters, some voters who, you know, had seen me three or four times, right. uh, you know, throughout the course of the campaign, you know, what really, you know, what helped motivate me throughout that whole entire process was the just the sheer reality that, you know, going into this legislative session, if we were successful on election night, we'd have a shot at ensuring that working mothers who are state employees for the first time can sit down and collectively bargain with their peers about their salary, about their benefits, about their access to healthcare and retirement. Um, It meant that, you know, working fathers. And, you know, our, our brothers in the labor movement can have an opportunity to collectively bargain over time off um, so they can be, you know, have the time to spend with their families when it was appropriate. Okay,
0: I feel that. And I, I do have a question, though. And so why does all of this matter to me? And when I say me, I'm speaking in terms of me, the uh, the next waiver just started working, not really politically engaged. Like, what what's in it for me?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think that's a real question that a lot of people are asking themselves. I think a lot of folks, I I know you and I are asking ourselves that question sometimes, (laughs) you know, as young people. As a young person who just got married and and, and is thinking about how to start off uh, not only a a successful career, but also a successful life with my partner, you know, thinking critically about, you know, things like student loan debt, um, you know, and how electing the right folks locally, you know, Uh, can help to address, you know, what I know a lot of millennials are dealing with right now, which is hundreds of thousands of dollars in some case of of student loan debt. And, you know, the real possibility that it might be 10, 20 years uh, for for many folks before they can pay those loans off. And I think that's really unfortunate, but it's what gets a lot of folks excited about, you know, making change in the political process. I think we have a real crisis um, in our country when you have Many of your next waivers are probably listen to this, to this podcast paying more than 30%, 40% of their income uh, on affordable housing. That's something that our union, uh, you know, and our affiliates, as I mentioned before, has really been thinking about and how to improve quality of life and deliver real tangible benefits to our workers. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about how you find a connection, you know, in politics, politics literally does impact every single thing we do every day. Uh, and I think we tend not to think about it. We tend to go on, go through our lives, you know, focused on what our our you know uh, our missions are for that day. But I think it's important for us to realize that you know what we do in 2019 and in 2020 has a real tangible um, impact on our lives, you know, the next couple of years.
0: Brian, it's it's very interesting that you mentioned affordable housing, and we're gonna dig into that a little later um, on this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but i definitely want to thank you for coming through today i also want to say congratulations um i being a newlywed uh i saw you slip that in there thank you sir um but yeah man thank you for all of the information you uh put out there for us today i got some work to do too so i need to go ahead and make sure i'm doing what i need to do but uh may you welcome back on the podcast anytime
2: i appreciate it i also appreciate you all having me on the inaugural episode this is uh you know um uh, i think game changing i don't know too many unions that are doing podcasts for their their young workers uh, and I understand that this is an idea that, you know, kind of came from, you know, organically from them. So I think that that's amazing. And, I, you know, I'm so grateful to be, I guess, still considered a young worker and a next waiver in our union. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to working and fighting alongside many of your listeners, uh, you know, over the next couple of months. And maybe I'll see you out there on, uh, on the campaign trail. Let's do
0: it. Sounds good. Yes, sir. All right, Next Waiver, so what I need you to do now is go and sign up for the Academy. The online Academy can be found at nextwave.asksme.org forward slash podcast. And what this is, is it bridges the gap between each episode and what you're doing in your local communities each day. And so it's very important that as you listen to each episode and get this information and learn how to empower yourselves and your communities that you also participate in the academy as well so that we can continue to build this network. After you sign up for the academy and you're looking for more things to do, definitely shoot this out on all of your social media platforms. That's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can even Snapchat if you want to. I'm not on Snapchat, but you may be. And then after that... You definitely want to make sure that you're talking about this to your coworkers, other next waivers, and there's also the Next Wave Facebook group that you can come and discuss the episode on there as well. So this podcast is brought to you by Ask me a public service union. And this is Adrian, your fellow Next Waiver, signing off. Until next time.